All right. Um, A plus content. Yeah. So we got um, we got eight playoff matchups here in the NBA, as tends to be the case. Um, yeah. So okay, breaking news. Uh, OG Ananobi just had an appendectomy, and he's been ruled out indefinitely. Um, how okay? So how long is it? I have absolutely no frame of reference for how long someone would be out for like for an appendectomy. <coughs> I mean, I'm thinking that I don't think it's going to be more than like a like a week or something. Sure, I don't know. I mean, like. Well, the I mean, kid that I teach got appendectomy, but he missed a week of school. But that kid was totally milking it. Wait, who was? Uh, uh, right. Yeah, like, one of these kids in my class got an appendectomy. He was probably milking it. He missed a whole week of school. Oh so, yeah. You know, playoffs on the line. I'm not gonna be honest with you. Like my my understanding of like appendectomies and like appendicitis is all based on um, it's all based on that episode of Different Strokes when Arnold. Had his appendix removed, he was uh, using some pain, and he was disappointed to find out that after you get your appendix out, you don't get ice cream, you get custard. Huge blow to him. Um, but I think it like it's like for school, I think you'd be able to go back after a few days, but I kind of think it's a little different to play like an NBA basketball game. Well, first of all, even though I'm a teacher, I would say you milk that whole week if you can do it. Like well, if you can miss a whole week of school, you go, you do like it. You you miss a whole week of school every time. Um, every time, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, with the, I mean, I don't know what it would be like. I've never gotten you know <laughs> my appendix removed, let alone have been seriously off of an athlete. I mean, I I have absolutely no frame of reference. You could. Um, I mean, who are they? I mean, luckily their um, their first round series shouldn't be too much. I mean, for any of those East favorites, their first round series shouldn't be too much. Although I think Philly might have some trouble. Right. So, so let's maybe start there. Um, I, let's. I, I think easiest way. Let's just run through each of these first round matchups, and then we can do longer term playoff predictions. But um, along Early, those lines, I'm going to write these down so I don't forget. Okay, um, and also let's not um, let's not spend a whole lot of time with these bad ones. Like Golden, like Golden no, State against Clippers, uh, they're going to win in four, and that's that's just going to be that. Do you want to start that now? But yeah, maybe five if the Clippers are lucky. All right. So I, my official prediction is Warriors in four, um, and then I'm also going to say Bucks and four. I think both of those are sweeps easily. Um, then let's move to Toronto, Orlando. Do you have? I assume you have Orlando and five. Four. Okay, Orlando and four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, have Toronto, I have Toronto and four. I saw we I, uh, in our previous pod that ended up not being recorded. I, I think I spent like five minutes talking about how much I hate that team. The Magic. So, yeah, how they're uh, weird. Yeah, I fucking hate that team. They're You're, so annoying. But your boy, um, Jonathan Isaac. I can't believe that that team exists. I saw them live this year, and it's just like, what is this group of players? I know, but they've been crazy hot to end the year, and that is why I'm going to give them a single game, and Toronto wins in five. Uh, I have that too. I saw, yeah, nice. Okay, so uh, then the 3-6 three, three, matchup, Philly against Brooklyn. 
what do you have? You said you hinted earlier. You, you think this one could be a little interesting. I have um, Philly in six. Okay, I'm gonna have Philly in five. Uh, but okay. and this is gonna be a similar theme. But I think it's I'm gonna do this a couple times. But I think it's gonna be like one of those five game series that's really tight, and it's really fun for a couple of those games. But Philly somehow. Philly still gets out of the series in five games. Um, yeah. It was a lot like the Wolves series last year with the Rockets. Yeah, like the Wolves-Rockets. Um, I mean, Philly against Boston. Philly against Miami last yeah. year. All those five-game yep. series, but I thought they could have gone either way at, at those points. Um, and I think the same thing is going to happen with Boston-Indiana, with the Celtics winning in five. But... The Pacers keeping it very close in every single game. Um, I have that in, in seven. Okay, why? Why do you For believe it? I think I think Indiana. I mean, it's funny because Indiana is another team that I watch, and I'm just sort of like, why is this an NBA team? Um, especially in the absence of Victor Victor Oladipo, but I just don't really trust Boston that much. And again, I could be completely wrong. Uh, Marcus Smart being out is, is is a bummer in a series like this for them. And it's just it has one of those grinded out. Set. I mean, I think Boston is clearly the better team. Yeah, but I think that they. I think it, it could it could get one of those really prolonged series where I don't think we'll ever have a doubt that Boston's going to win. But they're going to take it seven games. Like those Hawks, you know, first round series. Yeah, yeah. The Hawks when, used to winning sixty games. When the, the teams would take them to seven games, we never really thought the Hawks would lose the series. Yeah, well, it was like the. Um, I thought you were going Hawks Celtics like two thousand eight first round when the Celtics every that home as well that as well yeah yeah, yeah. every that's home game actually, yes that's the one I'm thinking of every home game they won by fifty and then the Hawks won every every one of their home games on like a buzzer beater. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just I think Kyrie is going to take over, and I think it might actually with Marcus Smart out, probably going to see Jalen Brown slide into that starting spot. You wonder if maybe that's going to open things up for him in terms of creating a defined role for him, as maybe him like focusing on just being a defensive stopper, um, and then also getting him in that starting lineup. Maybe he's the recipient of like all the maybe he's a beneficiary of all the coverage going towards Kyrie and then towards Tatum and maybe even Horford. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I just, but overall, like you said, I just think Boston is too talented. And Indiana just – they don't have enough to, to keep this one. No, 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 no. To win this one. Absolutely not. Seven was probably a bit – You know, I appreciate it. I love it. it. I'm going to keep it, but that was sort of the line of thinking in it. Okay. So, so uh, we, we already covered Golden State – in the West now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you in four as well. Now we go into the um, two seven matchup. Nuggets, the new new kids on the block against the yeah. old the uh the you know the reigning not the reigning but you know the veterans the OGs the Spurs. Who are you taking and and what uh, amount of games? I'm taking the Nuggets in six. I completely agree. I think playing in Denver is really difficult. I don't really think the Spurs have too much in the tank. And, I, I mean, obviously, it goes against sort of conventional knowledge to bet against the Spurs. But I think this Nuggets team is pretty good. I don't think that they're 
I don't think they're real contenders, but I think that they're they should definitely make it out of the first round. I agree. I think that I think the Spurs with Popovich, they're too well coached for me. I think they're too well coached for them to get swept or even you know the gentleman sweep five games. Um, but when you, I think that ultimately the path for the best version of this Spurs team has to involve Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge on the floor together, and I just don't think they mesh they mesh well together. Um, ultimately, Nikola Jokic is clearly the best player in this series, and he's going to dominate. So I think that I think Denver wins the first two games. I think San Antonio wins their two games at home, and then. You know, Denver ekes out a pretty close one in Game Six at San Antonio to close out the series, and their first series win since 2013 or 2009. Um, 2013 seems. I think the 2013 team did win a series. The 2009 team was conference finals team. Right. Well, I thought like 2013. Um, All right, no, that's right. I was I had it right. 2013. They were the, right. they are the three seed, but they lost in the first round of the Warriors. Yeah. So yeah, they haven't won a first round. They haven't won a series since they went to the conference finals in 08, 09. Oh, that was a fun team. That conference final team, like that was that was when Melo was just unbelievably fun. Yeah, and that I mean that's the kind of team that you point to when people. I mean, people talk to me. I mean, people talk about Carmelo Anthony like he's some joke or whatever, and it's like, right? Do you not remember? That late aughts, he was. I mean, he went toe to toe with Kobe Bryant in that series, and it's like you met literally toe to toe. In a sense, is that one was not clearly a better player. Yeah, um, you know, it, is it what do you call it? Is it Carmelo's fault that the second best player on that team was ancient Chauncey Billups, whereas Kobe got to have Andrew Bynum in his prime and Pau Gasol in his prime? Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Do you want to hear something? Mello, Mello deserves some of the shit that he gets, and um, or a lot of the shit. Happens, but he was, he was, he was, he was amazing. Right. Well, and people, people are acting like his failures this year are like some reflection on him, even though he's like thirty-five or some shit. Um, it, also, Mello, Mello, Mello doesn't care anymore. We're seeing him in all these games, and I'm not saying that's an insult, but Mello. Melo's made his money. Melo's doing other things, and he scored twenty five thousand points in the NBA. Right. Quick aside regarding Melo. So I mentioned like the last time they the Nuggets won a playoff series was two thousand nine. When do you think the last time they won a playoff series before that was? Um, I have no idea. It was when. It was when they were the eight seed and upset the Supersonics in the first round. What year? Nineteen ninety four. Ooh, so nine. So the decade is right. Yeah, and I was a bit preoccupied with being a one year old to remember that. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I'm saying that that's like we can shit on the Nuggets as like as like championship contenders this year, but let's not act like that would not be a tremendous achievement for that fan base for them to win a playoff series this year. That would, that would mean a lot oh, to them. Absolutely. I mean, especially with their young core, I think the Nuggets getting into the second round, like that's, I mean, that's an incredible success. Right. And they, unfortunately... By the way, I think with, with the Rockets failing, and this is a bit of a teaser, but the Rockets failing to get 
um, the second seed has really, really opened it up for them to have a legitimate ch- chance at the conference final. Yeah. Um, yes, they have. Let's get that in a second. Um, now three seed. Now we have the three six matchup: Portland against Oklahoma City. Arguably the best series of the first round. Who do you think wins, and in how many games? Uh, Blazers in seven. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Why do you say uh-huh. that? I like this Blazers team. Um, Even without Nurkic. I think that I, I think, yeah, I know. But I also just don't really believe in the Thunder at this point. I think this is more of an indictment about the Thunder than it is about the the uh, as a compliment to the Blazers. Okay. Um, but I think that, you know, Lillard, I think specifically, honestly, if Paul George is healthy, the Blazers have the best player on the court, but, I'm sorry, the, the Thunder have the best player on the court, but I honestly think in this situation, Lillard's the best player on the court. Okay, um, I think that's fair. Between him and Ross. And, um, I mean, I really do. I think, I mean, I think Dame Lillard is, is unbelievable, and I think that he is, um, and I think the team around them has enough um, with their role players to be able to just be consistent enough. And again, the Thunder are probably the more talented team, but they haven't been playing like it. And we don't really know about Paul George's health. So, okay, I know Blazers is seven, and Blazers are the home team. And that, and in these type of matchups where the margin of error is very small, especially a team with a really solid home home court advantage, um, if the Blazers can steal one on the road, which is very possible, I think that. They can eke out a 7-1 series. I'm going to... I'm going to make some bold predictions here. You ready? You ready? Are you sitting down for this, buddy? Yeah, I, I'm ready. Let's go. The Blazers will win a game in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. But the Thunder will win two in Portland and win the series in seven. Oh, my Ooh. God. Oh, my God. So spicy. Oh, man. I, I get some milk. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm ultimately, I'm, I think Oklahoma City's defense at its best is going to be better than what Portland can do. Um, and I know Russell Westbrook has been, he's shot terribly this year, but I don't think he's going to shoot that terribly in a playoff series. Um, you know, I, I thought Utah was the better team last year and I picked them to beat Oklahoma City, but I think this year, I just, I don't know, I'm not going to lie. I think part of it, part of it might be the, Blazers getting swept last year in as the three seed up against the six seed last year. Um, it's hard for me to get that out of my brain. So right. yeah, I know. So I just I think ultimately, like when push comes to shove, I trust the team with Billy Donovan, with Russell Westbrook, with Paul George. You know, if if, if Paul George isn't fully healthy, I'm going to regret this. But I think he's going to be healthy enough and. Russ will give them enough for them to pull out the, the series in seven. And that brings us to our final series in the first round, Utah against Houston, the Rockets being the four seed. Um, this, of course, being a product of Paul George hitting a game-winning three against Houston earlier this week to knock Houston out of the two seed. And now if Houston wins, they face Golden State in the next round. But do you think they will even get to that next round? Yeah, I have rockets. I have rockets in six. Yeah, I'm. I have the same thing. 
I mean, I just think the Rockets are the, clearly the second best team in the West. Um, not clearly, I think. I mean, but I think in terms of the greatest threat to um, Golden State, I think, which is again why that game had such um, sort of significance. But yeah, I have the Rockets in six. Yeah, I I would say. Um, I mean, quick aside, I just realized this. This is a very great '60s themed matchup because if you think about it, what was big in the '60s? Jazz, one of the biggest genres of music, arguably, you know, maybe not the biggest genre of music anymore after like the midway through the 60s. And then that was the same decade that we went to the moon. So rockets were really in vogue at the time. So I just wanted to point that out. I thought you were going to make like a war joke or something. Okay, that's, that's much better. Nice. Yeah, so I just I wanted to point that out, some 60s stuff in there. So maybe... I was thinking maybe to celebrate it 60 style, just smoke just a carton of cigarettes during the series. Um, but yeah, I, I think you yeah, took... at the game, at inside the arena, 60 style. Yeah, and if someone doesn't like it, you put out that cigarette butt on their fucking face and tell them to get the fuck that away from is, you. That... <laughs> Dude, I can't believe they used to smoke in basketball arenas. I think they still do that in China, by the way. I'm not... I'm, and I'm... And I'm... And I'm, I'm Quite actually, quite sure of it, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it was anyway. Be- yes, you see all the they um those grainy videos. Uh. See, I think it'd be kind of cool to go in there. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm just thinking like you go into an arena and it's just fucking filled with cigarette smoke. That would have to really get into the players' heads. Um. Yeah, of course. Um, what do you call it? But yeah, I, I think I would take I would take Utah against any other team in the West in the first round besides Golden State, even Oklahoma City, just because I'm concerned about Oklahoma City's health. I'm I'm really high on this Jazz team, so you know, actually, I'm gonna go ahead and say we're going to seven this first round. Oh, like, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Fuck it. I really, I mean, you remember the beginning of the year? Um, I mean, I was really big on the Jazz. I just think I don't know. I think Houston's gonna be. I think Houston's just come this time of the year is going to be too difficult to vote out. I think they're just going to be making more shots. Yeah, well, ultimately, and James, I mean, James Harden's been—he's by far the best player on the court, and that a lot of the time goes through, especially in these early rounds. Yeah, well, remember last year, Chris Paul dominated this series against the Jazz. I, I do think one thing that people mm-hmm. haven't talked about this year. Um, after Donovan Mitchell had his disappointing start to the year, I thought he closed out the season really on a strong note. Um, yep. So I think. Yeah. So I think he has a chance. To, I think there's a chance that he could be. You know, you say. I mean, without question, Harden's going to be the number one player in the series. But I think that it's not insane to me that the second and third best players in this series could be on Utah with Rudy Gobert and then Donovan Mitchell. I actually know him. Yeah, I mean, obviously the most, the sort of the most volatile variable would be Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul has the potential to be the second best player mm-hmm. on the court. He also has the potential to really be a step behind and be behind those two. So yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, yeah, and you also have the best player in the court, Ricky Rubio. So right, of course, and so I think that I think with Mitchell, I, as you said, like he and Chris Paul both could be very volatile, and this could be a series where. 
you know, game two, Chris Paul has 34 points and Donovan Mitchell finishes 7 of 22 for shooting. And then game three, Donovan Mitchell has 38 points and Chris Paul has kind of a disappointing game. And it kind of flip-flops between that. Um, I was looking at win shares about a month ago. And I think that some of these stats, there's only there's a limit to how much you could use them. But I thought it was interesting that um, one of the things that was notable is that Giannis was ahead of Rudy Gobert in terms of defensive win shares. But Rudy Gobert was number one in the league in offensive win shares as of like a month ago. I, I don't know how much that changed or not. But people are not talking about how great this guy is. And... No, no, they're not. And I mean, him not making the All Star game was interesting. Although it was terrible. I got the wrong person to address this because I, I think Towns is it. Do you? Okay, let me ask you this question. I'm actually genuinely curious. Would you rather rather have Rudy Gobert or Carl Towns in a let's say a single season next year? Because I think obviously long term, I think you'd rather have Towns because he's only 23. Um, it but depends. In a single season, would you rather have Gobert or Towns? It depends on who else I have on the team. That's a yeah. Because um, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think is a is as bad of a defender as some people believe he is. But when he you, hasn't been this year. I mean, he was definitely, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been this year. But you know, we're talking about like a big man. You know, Rudy Gobert can like just instantly turn you into a top three defense. It, it could be you and me at guard, and we would have a top three defense if Rudy Gobert is our center. And so for me, that's hard. That's hard to overlook. Even though I love Carl Anthony Towns, so I I wouldn't begrudge anyone who took that. Yeah. Um, all yeah, right. I just I mean I think it's, I think it's interesting. All right, so the only. Do you want to predict the rest of the playoffs? Yeah. All right. So to be clear, the only the only series we have different is you have Portland and I have Oklahoma City. Yeah, but we each have we all we have it going to seven. Okay, so we have otherwise all the same winners and varying games. Um, so who do you have as your conference finals and your NBA finals? Yeah. I have Golden State and um, Denver. Okay. Um, so you want my conference finals? Like you said, conference finals and NBA finals? Yeah. Actually, do you, real, real quick, do you does the NBA reseed after the first round? No. I forgot to look this up. They don't. No, so it's so, just a bracket. So, for example, Houston will play Golden State, no matter what. Um, so it's been the winner of the winner of four and five will automatically play the winner of one and eight. Okay. The winner of two and seven will automatically play the winner of three six. Just wanted to make sure. So our second round would be Golden State, Houston, Denver, either Toronto or the Blazers. Not you mean the Thunder or the Blazers, and then Bucks, Boston, Toronto, Philly, and for me, I have Bucks and Toronto in the finals, mm-hmm. conference finals, and I have the Bucks Warriors. In the finals, I I would rep- I replace Nuggies with Thunder, um, but otherwise I have the same thing, except in the finals, Milwaukee wins. Wow, you're just you had to pause. You just, you couldn't even believe what was happening. No, uh, in House Seven, right? What? No, and, the Bucks in in six. I don't. If they go. I think if they go to seven. I think Golden State probably wins. Um, I mean, Golden State probably uh, gonna win I'm any. I'm doing. 
I'm doing Golden State in six. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I, I'd ask you for your reasoning. I, mean, I just for me, as well, I, I would love for you to be right. It's the this is the only time I risk. I only root. I never. I as a principal don't root for Wisconsin sports teams, but I will always root for the Bucks. Um, always. So, or? I mean, casually. Um, but um, I just think Golden State's gonna be too tough to beat. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I just. You know, Bill Simmons was talking about this with Stu Gotts. And he was made earlier this week, and he was doing it, making the argument for Houston to beat Golden State. And, you know, he's just talking about, like, you look at historically, it's really hard for teams, you know, the fourth year of a run, usually teams start to wear down. And we've already seen some internal division, and perhaps there's some injury issues as well. Um, you know, I just, first of all, it's just more fun to take someone else. But... You know, yeah. I do think that Golden State is vulnerable, potentially, for someone upsetting them. And I think that Milwaukee is so hungry right now. They're, they just sound so hungry. Like the quotes that you heard from Chris Middleton, where Middleton was talking about how like during the regular season, he kept thinking about how pissed off he was that Boston had Game 7 at home last year in the first round. And he was thinking about all those games in the regular season they blew that cost them that. I mean, that is a different level of motivation. And it's a motivation that Golden State hasn't had in the regular season for two or three years. And you wonder how much does that start to wear down on them? And again... Uh, I mean, I think Golden State has plenty of, emo- I mean, plenty of motivation. I think, that, I think that I agree with me with the idea of them wearing down. I just think if there's a, there's two factors. I think one, I don't think that Milwaukee or Houston um, or even Toronto, um, I just don't think they're good enough to beat them. I think they could, but I think that there's just, again, a gap in ability. And also, I think that Golden State, I, I mean, I get the whole argument of them running out of steam, but I think that's next year. I mean, regardless of what KD does, if KD goes to whomever, then obviously that's going to change. But I just, I don't think that I just think that Golden State is just such a heavy favorite because you have to beat them four times in a series. Yeah, they do. I mean, it is worth and noting they have. I mean, and they have three of the top fifteen players in the NBA. I mean, it is two of the top five. It's worth noting that. Both Milwaukee and Toronto would have the series at home, or they'd they'd have home yeah, they'd have home court advantage. Really yeah. No one is talking about that. Like Cleveland, every single one of those series, they were on the road for four of the seven games. If they went seven, of course. Um, yeah. So they have the home court advantage. That's pretty key. Might have the best player, Giannis. It is. I mean, I think Toronto. I think Milwaukee or Toronto. I, I struggle mightily picking between those two. Be what do you call it? Would but you I, say that's a seven-game series? Yeah, I think I think Milwaukee-Toronto has a chance to be one of the greatest playoff series you've ever seen. I'm not even kidding. I mean, Me too. I'm really. I'm, I'm honestly, this second round of the playoffs is going to be amazing. Yeah. Although honestly, especially in the East. Yeah, I mean, the thing is though, like we keep saying that, and yet. I don't know, even as like high as I am on Philly, I think there's a really good chance that Toronto and Milwaukee kind of obliterate Philly and Boston. Is that crazy? I don't... No, 
No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think that's very likely. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know what percentage I would put on it, but I, I mean, especially Philly. I feel like Philly. I don't like. I don't love this Philly team. I love a lot of their players, but especially against Toronto, I think that could be a five or six game series, and a sort of convincing five or six game series. Yeah, and the thing with Toronto, Boston, I just have no idea. Boston, right, I just have no idea. I mean, that could be that could just be a dogfight for the box, or else they could roll, walk over them in five series, five games. Yeah, I I feel significantly more confident about Milwaukee against Boston, even though I like Philly. I mean, even though I I think Boston could be great. Milwaukee knows this team. Milwaukee is hungry. Yeah. They're going to. I think they could pummel Boston. Um, no, I think. Well, I mean, if I had to bet, if I had to predict, I mean, I would say that they're going to really convincingly beat them. And that's that. Um, but I think that's also. Yeah. And I don't want to like. I I don't want to overestimate the regular season. But I mean, you're talking about you think there's a, just a gap between Milwaukee and Golden State. But I mean, if you look at. Just the stats. I mean, Milwaukee outscored their opponents by almost nine points a game this year. I mean, this team has just been dominating everywhere. And at a certain point, you might have to sit back and just say, you know what? Maybe this team is as good as they've performed. Maybe they are that good. And the counter to that, of course, and it's why I'm not, and it's why I'm, why I'm still flip flopping with them in Toronto is that, I mean, the Raptors out, the Raptors outscored their opponents by over six points a game this year. I mean, they're almost in line with the Warriors, even though I need to check it, but I feel like Lowry and Kawhi Leonard both missed a combined, like, 30 games this year. They're two best players, and that's not... They're not going to be yeah. sitting... They're not going to be sitting those guys in um, in the playoffs now. What are the over-under that Kawhi sits a first-round game? Well, like, what's the over-under that he sits a first-round first game? If they're up 3-0 in Orlando, I think there is a... Uh, like, there's a six, there's a 50-50 chance he sits if they're up 3-0, right? Yeah, at, 50, at least 50. But 30%. Yeah. Because that's so disrespectful, dude. Yeah. Okay, so just... So we have it. Kawhi played in 60 games and Lowry played in 65 so they missed a combined 39 games. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, Toronto, I think Toronto, I mean, I think it's Toronto and Milwaukee. I mean, those are clearly the two best teams. Yeah, and I think that, I, I said it before, I think those two teams are decidedly better than Houston. I, don't, like, I, I think this idea that, um, that Houston is Golden State's biggest challenger is just a joke. And I think it's just I think part of it is that we are very biased towards Western Conference teams being superior to Eastern Conference teams because I mean we haven't I mean it's just been the case for like 20 years. Ever since ever since I've been watching basketball, almost every year outside of like during the Heat run, the West teams have consistently been better than the East teams. But I don't think that's the case this year outside of Golden State. No, I think that's I mean, that's a great point, and I think it's it's gonna it's it holds true. I think if you put Boston and Milwaukee, not Boston, I'm sorry, but Milwaukee and Toronto in the in the West, they would be the second or third best teams, and we'd be talking about either one of them playing, you know, really giving Gold State a, a threat. I think I think this again. I'm really really looking forward to this year's NBA Finals. I think um, 
And it's going to be a bummer not having LeBron, but I think that Cleveland team was just becoming such a chore to watch. Especially last year without Kurt, without Kyrie. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it was just a, it was a team that you... I mean, the first game was fun, but... Well... One of the least memorable finals. I think, I mean, the first game by itself made the finals somewhat memorable. Just, yeah. I mean... That moment of like LeBron with his arms out like that, and I mean, I would, I would personally say it's the best I've ever seen LeBron play, and within that, might be the best game I've ever seen any player play. Period. Which isn't, you know, there's limited oh, yeah. sample size there. LeBron's best game is as about as good as it gets. Right. I mean, that's just like from my vantage point. I other people have different. I've seen other things that I haven't, so I'm not going to say it is. But for my be money, noted that you and I were there. This is a bit of an aside, but you and I were there at the Bucks, the sort of the inception of the Bucks dynasty. Well, uh, remember, we went to the game. We went to the game. It was Jabari Parker's rookie year. But oh my like God! Giannis just starting up. We were there, man. Wow, it's hard to believe things have changed so much. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, remember how? I mean, that was when George, we, we actually legitimately thought Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were both going to be superstars. And it wasn't just based on height. They were both playing really well, they were here. Yeah, I mean, God, I can't... Parker, like, it's insane to hear the stories about, like, how Parker just, like, he shut down after Giannis established himself as the god on the team. No, completely. Just completely shut up. Shut down, I should say. He was, like, he was just like, oh, I thought I was the star. And now, now no one's handing me stuff? This is bullshit. Then he just left. Yeah. Well, and then on top of that, somehow, I mean, I somehow like the Bulls were able to flip him for Otto Porter. And that's turned out well. I know. I'd say I somehow like the Bulls were able to like turn him into something good. Couldn't believe it. Jabari Parker made forty million dollars last offseason. Man, shout out to that guy's agent. Shout yeah. out. Good for him. Um, um, all right. I, I mean, honestly, uh, in terms of the playoffs, um, I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to it. It's, you know, the NBA season... Drags. This season was very compelling. But, you know, like in any sports league, specifically like the MLB, the NFL, there's a bit more action per week because there's only a game a week. Right. But, you know, specifically in the NBA and the... Um, and the MLB, and MLB, like the playoffs, are really what makes the the, the season worth it. Yeah, um, it's ironic that baseball has the least compelling regular season in some ways, just because the it is the one that actually fucking matters. I love baseball regular season, but I but I wouldn't go as far as call it. you're right. It's not compelling. Right. I mean, there's storylines and stuff, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's not NFL, and nothing's gonna nothing will ever be the NFL regular season because, like, like you said, just the limited games make everyone so important. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the hockey playoffs? I'm guessing not. Literally zero. Okay, that's fair. Um, I I don't know who's in it. Okay, well, the one thing you should know is that the Tampa Bay Lightning this year might legitimately be better than the Warriors in basketball. Like, they were... Do you think they're that, are they that dominant? 
they were like that close to they were like really close to finishing with the best regular season record ever. Um, so that's that's really? something I love watching. By the way, not no slight on hockey. I love watching hockey. No, um, I mean going to a hockey going to a hockey game live is one of the more fun things to do. Yeah, um, I mean it's. I mean, I got pretty into the hockey this year because the Hurricanes are finally good again. And I, I mean, hockey to me is just something that you really gotta. I mean, I think it's like all sports. Basketball, I think, is the only one that you can just flip on and you understand basically all you need to know immediately. Obviously, there's a, there's further nuances within it, or else we couldn't have spent half an hour talking about the playoffs. But like, right, yeah. I, like hockey or like football or baseball, like. If you turn it on and you don't have someone to explain it to you, you are going to end up very confused for a long ass time. The favorite, th- my favorite thing here is explaining baseball to Egyptians. They, I mean, it's honestly, first of all, they think it's the most ridiculous thing they've ever seen. And this is not just about Egyptians. This is about you know anyone who's not really American. It's like it's like people who like cricket, right? Like so, don't like cricket. Doesn't cricket it's, like it's so? Comp- baseball is a complex game. If you if you really have to break it down from the bare minimum, kind of. I mean, isn't it just like a series of like? There's yeah. a lot of weird rules. Yeah, I mean, like, like in, for example, if the ball, someone catches the ball in the air, why can't they run to the other base, and why do they have to run back to the other base, wait until the guy's caught the base, and then try to get to the other base? Yeah, I guess that's a little weird. Why if someone bunts with two strikes? Is it considered a strikeout? Just like, but is it? Oh, you get yeah. a fa- oh if you foul off of the bunt. Yeah, but if you bunt and it's a foul, anyway. You know, I, I think it's a good rule. It's not rocket science, obviously. People, people get, but people get it. But yeah, I, I would say this. I don't. I mean, the the fucking cricket. People say like, don't like the matches last like a week. Right. I'm, I mean, there's there's a bunch of I mean, there's a bunch of different types of cricket matches. Yeah, there are, and then there are some that last last three hours, a couple hours, six hours. There's different there's different rules and different not different rules, but there's different types of matches. Okay, I guess that makes sense. And that's all I know. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like it. It's weird to me that like, like Americans, like I'm familiar with soccer, obviously, but like. I mean, you get outside. I mean, one of the most popular sports worldwide. It'd be like soccer, then basketball. You know, those two I'm familiar with. But then it's like cricket and rugby and Formula E. I don't watch any of those. I mean, I, rugby, I just don't get it. Um, I would say uh, rugby's fun. Rugby, I every time I watch it, I think it's enjoyable. I just don't. I don't. Part of me. Part of me is just so biased because, like, football is so much better than every other sport. But you can't – but it's so evil that you can't you can't encourage other people to play it. Do you really think football is that much better than every other sport? I mean, this, is, this could be such a, such a tangent, I guess. Um, I mean, I personally, I just – I think it, I think the drama behind it is a lot better in terms of um, – I mean, I think, like – like someone compared it once, I think it was Billy Corbin, the documentarian. 
he like he described it. It's like chess, but with gladiators. Like there's just so many more. There's so much more intellectually going I mean, on. Football is an incredibly. I mean, that's like, I mean, football is an incredibly sophisticated sport. I mean, and that is true. Like I don't. Um, what do you call it? And that's not like. That doesn't mean it. That is not and make it inherently better. But for me personally, I like that chess match behind it. The strategy with it, I think, is a lot more. It makes it more compelling to me. Versus, I mean, like someone. Oh, tra- did, you see, did you see this? What? No, sorry. Keep going. I was saying, like, someone tried going, to sorry. someone tried to get into an argument with me. He was saying that like baseball was more strategic, or like soccer was more, or someone tried to tell me like soccer is more strategic one time. And it's like I'm not saying that every other sport is just completely devoid of strategy, but. I mean, you know, baseball just introduced the shift. I mean, football, you are changing the the way teams line up and formations, all that stuff changes on an annual basis. Like, just the... Yeah. Everything about it is just completely changing at all times because you always have to be on the cutting edge. And it's not always... Like, with, with basketball... Ultimately, players are going to win. Football, the scheme tends to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, um, I, mean, I think football is a remarkable sport. It's, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, football, I mean, people don't really, because people, you're right, I mean, because of sort of just the imposing physical specimens, they don't really, people don't really realize sort of the nuances that go into um, football, but. Yeah, right. And well, it, like I said, it's there is like there's a lot to explain going on to like to someone who's never watched football. And I will say that like recent developments in turn, i.e., like everything that like has happened for like how football has been developed as like a television product, where now like there's so many stops with it that it is being progressively like run down. And in those ways, that's where I'm. You start to wonder, like, it's not palatable for other people, and because I'm not like no one's going to want to watch a sport where they have to like keep taking all these fucking breaks. I, but I'm optimistic that it won't. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to. That's kind of the downfall of baseball, right? Like the the length and the the pauses in between. Right, but I don't I mean, like. That's I don't really baseball is sort of big crisis. Right, I don't mind like little breaks in between. But it's just like I talk about like in football where it'll be like, all right, we have a replay, and this fucking replay is gonna take ten minutes, and you're gonna compl- you're gonna fucking forget what like what's happening in the game, and you're looking at this fucking replay so right. long you don't even know what the rules are anymore. You forgot how to breathe everything. It's terrible. I typically, I mean, I, I forget how to breathe a lot actually. Right. So. Um. But, you know, I think if someone – like if someone wanted to say basketball is the best sport because you always have the best possible players and it's dominated by the best players, I think there is something to that. Because, I mean oh, – 100%. No, I mean I think – yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, I mean I would personally – I think on a worldwide level, ba- basketball is probably the best sport. I'll, I'll give it that. Um. You mean, I mean, I'll have to say, like, I mean, soccer, football is, 
we can also just make a really great argument that that's the best sport. Sure, yeah. I mean, I but I also view like soccer as like I view soccer and basketball and like hockey as all like very similar products. They're all like they're all. I mean, the their, their flows of the, the the match and the game can be quite similar, and just sort of the angles and the feel for the game also has a has a similarity to it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like the the point of the games are to like traverse the ball and to put it into the into the goal, um, and obviously, like soccer bears more resemblance to American football. Um, bears a lot of resemblance to American football in addition to basketball because of the offsides rules. Um, so, you know, again, they're not completely the same. But, but yeah, anyway, that, that was a long-ass tangent. And um, now to talk about another sport that's completely different from all of these. Golf. You watch any of them. Yes! You, you watched any of the Masters yesterday. Do I watch golf? Do you watch it? No, I, so for me, I'm, I'm saving it for uh, tomorrow night, my time, which will be the, the sort of the beginning round of round three, and then I, and I will watch the um, I will watch the the final rounds. I it's difficult for me because of the time difference and just sort of prior commitments to watch the first two rounds. Right, but well, I have a I have a bet I have a bet going with people who I think is going to win. So and the guy who I think who I thought was going to win is actually win, is actually doing pretty well. So. Who is it? Brooks Kepka? Uh, I'm Bruce Kepka. That's who you took? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I called it. I knew it would be Kepka. I. What do you call it? Um, well, also, like, I would did say. You pick him? No, no, I was guessing that you'd pick him. Um, no, I, I probably. I didn't really pick anyone, but I probably would have gone with Rory. Um, yeah. But I also, like, with golf, I just generally just pick who I want to win. So, you know, obviously, like, Tiger winning would be the ultimate awesomeness. But uh, Rory McIlroy would be my second preferred winner. Because this would mean he would close out. Yeah, I like, I like seeing Rory succeed. He, uh, well, with the Masters, he would close out the career Grand Slam, which would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's been playing pretty well as of late. Which would be nice to see. I, I agree with you. Like, today? what? What do you say? Have they started yet? Yes, they've started. Yeah, they I have, teed off today, right? No, they teed off yesterday. No, but they've t- started today. Yeah, they yeah, started around two. They started a couple hours ago, I think. I haven't, I haven't checked the scoreboard though, or leaderboard, the leaderboard. I, um, yeah, I think like for me, you know, first two rounds, kind of check in. Check out some of it, but I mean, shit. If you, you know, you would uh, when you, when would you have to start watching like your time to watch them, watch like these rounds? Yeah, you're saying like pretty late, right? Yeah, I mean, so for me to watch these rounds, like right now, right, um, it's eight p.m. Mm-hmm. and Masters usually finishes at what five thirty p.m. Yeah, so Eastern time. I would, yeah, I mean, I'd have to be up two, and I'd have to stay up till one or two in the morning. And granted, I have to get up to work, which is not always too late. But I have to get up for work at um, at six six thirty. So it, it can Most make sense. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna and say my work days um because because Friday is a religious holiday in in Egypt. So Fridays and Saturdays are my weekends. So my weeks are Sunday Thursday. So I so Sunday. Wait, the Masters is so that would be a Monday then. 
Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I'll probably, I will, I mean, I, this is going to sound very casual golf fan-like, but if the big, if like Tiger, Rory, and a bunch of other people are in the, um, in contention, I definitely will. Because Tiger's only four back, right? So. He might be even less than that. He's, no, right now Molinari's at minus six, Tiger's at minus two, Poulter, Jason Day, and Kepka. Okay. All right, well, Tiger's, Tiger's got to keep yeah. going. Um, I was going to say, like... He is, I don't think he's teed off, though. Golf is a little... Uh, golf can be a little sleep-inducing. inducing, um, And that's even, I, like... I love watching golf, to be honest with you. Oh, no, I, I, I mean, like a, good, the, like, a good final round of the Masters is basically as good as sports can get. But... Um, Absolutely. Yeah. What do you call it? I mean, it's it still can put you to sleep with just the rhythm of it all, and that's even on, on like a Sunday yeah, afternoon sure. when it's fucking like midnight. Oh my god, midnight watching all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but again, if, if if like if Tiger and Phil, if it was Tiger, Phil, Rory, Kepka, Spieth, you know, even you know Ian Poulter, all those guys were within one or two strokes, then um, you're in. I would definitely, I would definitely check it out. And I love too, like how like, cause like the ma- like all the golf is like super calming, and especially Augusta National, cause like you know you watch the Masters and it's like it's so beautiful looking. You're just you get lost in how beautiful it That's is. That's actually the main reason why I would watch it. And That's then, actually the main reason I, I would need it as a form of meditation. And then like you have like Jim Nance talking so softly, like, and Tiger, with the approach shot, to try and get birdie, and tie this up at the Masters Championship. Like, I, lo- I love how chill it is compared to other sports where, like, like you're watching these hockey games. It pays for, like, the NBA. Oh, yeah. Or, like, you watch, like, these hockey playoff games and, like, everyone in the crowd is just losing their fucking mind. They're so shit-faced and they're so angry. They're ready to get into fights right there in the fucking stands, beat some people up. Golf, everyone cheers everyone. You, you know, no one likes, like, you don't like Phil, but you if he hits the shot, fuck it. You're cheering for him anyway. Who cares that he's a fucking criminal? No one. Nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I was joking about that. Um, um, anything else you want to chat about? Are we well, going to save uh, political banter for now or for later? Or do you want to get into it now or what's... Well, we didn't um, because we didn't record. La- our recording last week got shit on. So let's uh, let's t- let's take a quick little leap look through the stuff. I guess. Sure. Um. So, do you have any opinions on the polling right now? On the pull up right now. Um. Like which poll specifically? Like the Democrat stuff. Like, do you have like any any thoughts on like who's winning right now? Um, not, I mean, so I, I'm just trying to see, like, because I've, I've seen a bunch of different polls, so which poll are you referencing? So, I, well, I, I'd seen some polls. 2020 endorsement. What was the result? Okay, how about this? Uh, the, um, I can't find the poll now, I'm sorry. We can, we don't need to. Well, let's, okay, I, I mean, we can, I mean, let, let's assume that these are the people that are the strongest right now, and that would be... Um, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, um, Biden, Kamala Harris. 
Biden and probably I mean, I talk Booker and Warren. I mean, you know, Beto, I mean, Klobuchar. Yeah, I think, so, I mean, I think those seven, right, are the are the clear sort of people with any hope of, of securing the nomination. Right. So. Do, how how much do you think the endorsements matters? Like 538 has the endorsements um, that all of them currently have. How much does that matter to you? I mean, endorsements obviously matter to, I mean, in politics because politics is a popularity contest to a certain extent. It's not just, again, all like who can present the best policies and who can present the best vision. I think if that was the case, Elizabeth Warren would be far and away the best candidate. Well, yeah. Um, Queen. She's not because of I mean, other factors. So yeah, endorsements really matter. I think in, in any sort of politics, you're going to have endorsements from people who aren't party establishments. Um, and so celebra- certain celebrity endorsements matter. But I mean, there are some sort of big political endorsements that don't matter. I think, uh, but I don't think you're going to see Barack Obama endorse anyone. I think that endorsement would matter because I think he's still quite popular. You don't think that um, he would? And I don't think he's gonna go. I don't think he's gonna go out of the limb right away to, to endorse Biden. So okay, so you don't think he's gonna? You don't think he would throw his weight behind that? I mean, I think he could eventually, but I don't think he would. I don't think if Biden announced his presidency, that Obama would instantly endorse him. Okay, it's been. It it appears that the. Do you think it's fair to say that? Biden has made it through the... He's out of the woods now with the Me Too stuff? I don't think so. I mean, again, I think with Biden is... I mean, the thing with Biden is just a couple things. One, the problem with Joe Biden has always been twofold. The first thing with Biden has always been who sticks his foot in his mouth all the goddamn time. And that's been the case with Biden's previous runs for president. He's not a very... First of all, he's not a good campaigner, both organizationally and just practically. And he he says stuff that deservedly gets ridiculed. And couple that with, I think, his voting record on issues that have now become really, really important to a lot of the Democratic Party, specifically progressive voters like criminal justice reform, um, um, like I said, intersectionality when it comes to feminism and civil rights. I think that he... He's got a not a, a safe, uh, not a good track record when it comes to that. Do you, um, how much I think do that's you, something that's going to hurt him? How much do you think that track record will end up being brought up, though? Because I actually haven't heard anyone. You're the only person I've heard reference that crime bill in the '90s, which I mean, to me, is a massive, massive red flag that makes him. Well, would personally, make it so I would just never vote for him. But that's not the case with – it doesn't feel like a lot of the Democratic base cares that much, that much about that. Well, I think with the crime bill, I think it will get brought up. I don't think it would get brought up perhaps in the general election because I think that the Republicans support the most extreme elements of that bill. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – the the crime the nineties crime bill is basically Republican policy towards crime in twenty nineteen, basically. Mm-hmm. So it would be you don't I don't think you're gonna see the Republicans criticizing it because that's kind of the thing that they want to keep enforcing. But I, I think we'll see. I mean if he if he starts to really go head to head with Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, 
Um, I think those are the people to watch out for. Um, Harris would have a tough time because she's a former prosecutor with really people buying into it. But mm-hmm. I think candidates like, um, and I don't know, Cory Booker's sort of like a lab-created neoliberal, so maybe he could have a negative opinion against it. But definitely, I mean, if, if, if Sanders and Warren stick around, the contrast of their progressive agenda versus Biden's is really going to come into focus. And that's something where you're going to really see the difference between the sort of status quo of the Democratic Party and sort of the way in which I think in many ways, rightfully, um, left-wing politics has abused himself into the party. And the crime bill is just because of, because of that, it's just going to look horrendous. And if Bernie continues going, he's going to, it's going to become an issue. What, you, you mean Biden? You mean no, Biden? If Bernie continues, if, if Bernie continues to be extremely relevant in the campaign, oh, okay. though Biden's track record when it comes to crime is going to be put into sharper focus. And education, and um, civil rights issues, specifically his role in what was relatively shameful test, shameful hearing when they brought up Anita Hill, mm-hmm. um, and just how that was handled. Could you, um, for the people who are not intimately familiar with the Anita Anita Hill thing, by that I mean me. Could you? I, I've heard people reference this as something that he needs to answer for, but. I don't. I'm not really. That's not something I'm super familiar with. Could you, uh, the quick, whatever the quickest version of it you could give me? So basically, um, Anita Hill was a. Anita Hill was a woman who accused the the, the Supreme Court nominee at the time, who's still on the bench, Clarence Thomas, of sexual harassment, and she's brought before Congress, and, and then simply put. Um, they, she, the, the way in which it was handled and the way in which um, her testimony was relatively um, ignored, um, people's turn of um, individuals like, first of all, Joe Biden has, has apologized for his um, treatment because he was the chair of the Judiciary Committee. And um, they refused to allow testimony from witnesses who basically could have corroborated her story. So they, um, so they basically just like also yeah I mean he, he refused to allow additional testimony um, and he also refused to in many ways curb a lot of the disrespect that was going on in the hearings I guess from a, from a, from a PR perspective because it was a pretty nasty situation mm-hmm. um, in terms of just the, the vitriol, vitriol people were throwing at Anita Hill okay and um, this is also so and he was head of the he was head of the judiciary committee, so he was in charge. He was the person in charge. Was um, I feel like I remember Anita Hill being black, right? Or is she not? She was black, yeah. Okay, she I, is black, yeah. Okay, um, just wanted to see, just noting, just wanted to make sure because obviously that, you know, for better or worse, that does impact how that situation goes. No, it one hundred percent impacts it. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Um. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to get, wanted to see about that. So, do you think that potentially that we are, as we talk about how the you know leftism has infiltrated the Democratic Party, do you think maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in terms of how much it's infiltrated the Democratic Party? You know, I've seen, I saw yeah, some. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to say that it has completely. 
taken over. I just think that we've seen the platforms continue to get more progressive, more progressive, more progressive. And that type of progressivism isn't linear. For example, you could say the FDR had the most sort of socialist-esque programs in the 40s and 30s. Um, but American liberal parties didn't then just continue to get more left-wing. Mm-hmm. They sort of ebb and flow and then reach points of conservatism and corporatism. I think, though, over the last five or ten years, we've definitely seen there are legitimate left-wing candidates now running for president and giving serious consideration. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, American left-wing candidates. Right, right. Bernie Sanders would be, you know, like a standard Labour Party candidate in Britain, but but Bernie is a socialist, and he's and he's one of the leading candidates. So I mean, that says a lot about the state of the, the Democratic Party. I would. Um, and although Elizabeth Warren is not a socialist, she's quite. Um, she's quite left wing. Yeah, I would say the more I I follow this stuff, and the more proposals that Warren keeps pushing out, I think like I just think that she is. I don't know that I've ever seen a candidate marry the like marry these progressive ideals that she seriously wants to push forward, but also balance it with the like the real politic and you know actual legislation attacking like the real problems behind that. You know, I when she came out with that bill idea for a bill yesterday where it was, you know, it's not that we're gonna raise the corporate tax rate. That doesn't matter. What matters is making sure that these corporations can't keep getting out of them. Can't keep that they can't keep finding little loopholes so they don't have to pay any taxes. That's really the bigger issue. And so we it's can, not yes, it's not about raising the taxes, it's about just making sure people actually pay what's on what is currently their tax threshold. Right. Um, you know, it, it feels like a lot of the ideas Bernie has I, I think a lot of them he can't push and they could if he gets elected could potentially go through. But it feels like Warren just has a wider just has a wider um, arsenal of policies that she can put in place that can have legitimate effects on how things work um, and actually make things get actually get things done. Um, so she's she's remarkable. I mean, Warren. I have a couple of her bills on my phone because I just because you can you know you can download it and um, download them. And the, she's she's remarkable. Um, she's remarkable in her clarity, in her intellect, and she's pragmatic. But she's also I don't want to say idealistic, but she she sticks to ethical liberal principles. This idea that we need to focus on education, healthcare, responsible use of look. We have a military. We're not going to get rid of the military, um, but you know you know appropriately funding the military and um, an ethical use of the military, which has not been the case. And I obviously I'm not expecting her to all of a sudden. Um, you know, once you assume the presidency, you assume a whole lot of things. We saw with Obama, but I think I mean I just think Warren's the best. I think Warren's the best candidate. I think she, I think everything that you said is 100 percent spot on about her. Yeah, I mean it's. Um... Yeah, I, mean, I think it's her. I mean, I think as you and I have talked, I think it's her and Bernie as I think the two candidates that we would like to see. Right, and that's obviously why right. neither of them have a chance. Um, I uh... yeah, definitely no, no. It's gonna be like Kamala Harris or Biden. 
Well, it, it frankly, it just kind of pisses me off when like I read, I was reading this op-ed in the Washington Post earlier this week that was pointing out how it, you know, for some reason like now Elizabeth Warren is considered this like candidate that's just uninspiring and completely unengaging, and yet you go back and look at the coverage in 2015, everyone kept using Elizabeth Warren as the as the foil to Hillary saying, well, you know, it's not all women candidates I think are boring. It's just Hillary. I mean, look at Elizabeth Warren. I, I think she's engaging as hell. Nothing has changed since. And I mean, I I think that point that Hillary wasn't that engaging, but Warren is, is, at, is a completely valid point, but and it's still valid. There's, there's nothing that should have changed anyone's view of Elizabeth Warren as an engaging candidate unless you're just going to be a fucking moron and let that stupid DNA test thing really cloud your judgment. Well, I mean, the thing that has changed is the way in which we consume media and the way in which the media cycle operates. I mean, obviously, the media cycle has tended towards sensationalism and um, sort of flash. But I think post-Trump, I mean, we haven't seen a media coverage cycle like this. And Warren, Warren just makes sense that she gets lost in the crowd. I mean, look at who, who gets the most media coverage of the Democrats. Biden, Pete. Actually, probably the most of of anyone right now is AOC, who's not even a candidate. Well, you do see, and, and Bougie, she's getting the most coverage of. I mean, I think of any presidential candidate at this point. Who is? I mean, Mike Pence literally went to the border. No, I'm sorry. I Dana Bash did an interview. No, I'd say I didn't hear you. You said who's getting the most coverage, and then I didn't. I saw. I couldn't hear you. Oh right, so I think. Um, I mean, the people getting the most coverage are Buzhej, um, Biden, and Bernie, probably. And I think a lot of it is because, I mean, I think, I mean, Buzhej, for example, right now, before I get into this point, Buzhej right now is getting by far the most, um, the most coverage. It's because we don't really know anything about him. Right. Besides, he's just like a, a handsome, uh, engaging gay guy from Indiana. Who was in the Marines? Right. Which is like literally like a lighthouse beacon for CNN to cover him. Yeah. People like, I'm not sure if I've talked about this with you. I I probably have because it's it's one of my preferred rants. Um, But I I think it's just flat out, I hate anytime we bring up military service for like a presidential candidate. Um, I mean, specifically, like, I, it was infuriating to me that Hillary Clinton just kept going on, like, this Trump avoid Trump got out of the war. He didn't fight in Vietnam. And it's like, first of all, Hillary, I didn't see you fucking on the front lines in, in Vietnam, so you could shut the fuck up. You weren't doing anything. And second of all, um, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know why I should respect some, what do you call it? Why I should, what do you call it? Why should I get mad at Donald Trump for not wanting to fight in a war? I, a natural human instinct is to not go to the situation where people are shooting bullets at you. Donald Trump had the option to I get bullets the shot only at him. Difference is, I think, I think the only difference here in this is before you keep going is that I 100% agree. 
I would have draft dodged Vietnam. I think you would have as well, not just for ethical reasons, but probably because we didn't want to get shot. But mainly for ethical reasons, it was a, it was an unjust conflict. It it, it, and, it um, oh go ahead, sorry. Like people, yeah, no, but people should. I mean, but Trump didn't do it because the thing is that Trump, his brand is patriotism. His brand is, are you willing to die for America? I will do. I am American, red, white, and blue, and. And it's it's just a level of hypocrisy because you and I aren't pretending to be that, right? I mean that that's fair. Um, and also like there's we're a cap. Pretending to be that, like all of a sudden I was like, you know what, read like hundred percent with the like. If all of a sudden I became like GI Joe Republican, it'd be weird. It'd be weird, right? But things like Trump, Trump, you know, Trump is trying to be that. What? And he's saying that no one respects or understands the troops more than I do. So it's, I mean, it was, I think it's fair. I mean, but I think it's disingenuous when it comes from someone like Clinton. So I don't disagree with you. Um, well, and just people who just obviously just don't like Trump just yelling that in his face. And then like, you know, the, everyone magically became like the biggest fan of John McCain because Trump called him out. Which like, I mean, that, that was pretty hilarious. I'm not, I, I'm kind of laughing at that. You're not a hero just because you got caught. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just like, I mean, I just feel like there's so many things to get mad at Trump over. Like there are just countless things to shit on him for. Avoiding the war. Hey, right there with you, Donnie. I mean, right I'm there with you. It up. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um. But anyway, so like that, that was just a brief little aside. Um, I don't think I just don't think anyone should be expected to do all that. Um, I do think that with the endorsements, I think it's worth noting that Mayor Pete got uh, an endorsement earlier this week, his first one. I I said this last week in our unrecorded podcast, but I would say that right now, I think just talking to m- my friends who are more aligned with the establishment of the Democratic Party, it seems like Mayor Pete has a great, great shot to really burst through the glass ceiling. Because I just I don't think that the party wants to rally behind Bernie or Warren because they're too leftist. I don't think they want to. I you know I think there's enough of the party that doesn't want to go with someone super establishment like Joe Biden, and he's kind of old. Mayor Pete represents saying, hey, we're going to go with a young, fresh voice who is actually centrist as fuck, but you can pretend and convince yourself that he's not really. And, you like know, Cory Booker? Yeah. Well, also, like, Mayor Pete, people want, to, people want to vote for a white guy, but they also want to feel good about themselves. Him being gay means that they can feel good about voting for a white guy, and that's important. I mean, I get, look, I think, I think Pete Buttigieg is, it's just a very obvious candidate for people to be um, excited about. And there's things to be excited about. And I do say it's, it's very interesting. I mean, not just because I studied religious studies, but to see how he is trying to get a certain level of liberal Christians. Uh, and he's sort of taking the Trump administration on in an area where the Republicans have, for right or wrong, seemingly dominated, which has been the faith-related, you know, sort of tying faith into their personal politics. Right. Well, it's coming at Mike Pence for that. I think 
I think that's interesting, especially from a gay man. Um, just because, again, it's 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 a sort of a direct confrontation. That's the only thing that really makes it interesting. Right. A direct confrontation to right. the public. I do think it's interesting how everyone how everyone tries to say like you know you want a politician with faith, but whenever anyone says faith, they only mean Christianity. I mean, how much is like has Ilan yeah. Omar's faith helped her? It hasn't at all. It's just led to a bunch of people attacking her and saying that she's un-American. Saying that she's un-American. Um, it, you know, like, what do you call it? Like, we've never had a Jewish president. I mean, remember the fact that, like, it was, like, controversial when JFK got elected because it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going to elect a Catholic. Like, for, for Americans, that was weird that someone wasn't just Protestant. Um, I mean, you know me. I'm like super agnostic, so I don't really. I just, I just don't care about religion, and I just, it's weird for me for like a politician to try and bring that in when there's only you really can't let that influence your like policies in too many ways. No, but it's obviously been. I mean, America, America is. I mean, it's not a history podcast, I guess, but America is a. Extremely for a whatever you want to say, call a Western country, whatever that means. For a Western country, it's incredibly religious in comparison to European countries. I mean, religion has always been sort of a deeply entrenched part of America's life. It's always been a more conservative country than a lot of its sort of the countries that you could say compared to America. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's, I mean, America is, I mean, I don't know, you've traveled abroad, you've talked to people, I mean, America and, and just sort of getting out of that, like America is a deeply conservative country in all respects and religiously conservative. And um, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, it's interesting to see people just, yeah, just sort of play on that. Yeah. Not, not conservatism, so to speak, but, you know, tradition, traditional religious piety and language. Definitely. Um, and so you and I, we both discussed that our, um, we'd like to see Warren or Sanders uh, move forward, but. Um, let's assume that that doesn't happen. Do you have a, I don't want to do like, I, I guess like a power ranking of like other, do you like other candidates a- after those two? Like, do you have any preference among the other ones or is it just all of them kind of suck, but they're still better than Trump? Uh, no, I mean, obviously I think each, I, yeah, I mean, I do have certain ones that I prefer. I would prefer Buttigieg and probably Harris over Booker and Klobuchar. Um, really? So you're going anti anti Minnesota? I know. I'm not a big Amy Klobuchar fan. I've met her a couple times. She's lovely to me, but she, no, I don't like her politics that much. She didn't throw a staple um, at you? Maybe. I have my head hurt a bit afterwards. I don't remember most of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, no, by the way, actually, it's funny, um, I had a, I'm a good friend of mine who works in, in politics, and he was telling me these stories actually before they came out, and so it, talking to, sources say that she's kind of not great to work with. Um, but is I don't that, think that was just a hit piece, I think it was, I mean. Well, like, your friend, um, your friend who works in politics, like, has he worked for other candidates? Like, my thing with that story is I don't. I don't know how like these politicians work yes. behind closed yes. doors. No, and I, I know I know people who've worked for in closure. And so like they all said that she was like notably worse than everyone else to work for. 
She has her, yeah, she has a reputation of it, yeah. So is that like, would that be the main reason why you would, you would have a preference of like... No, 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 no. No, I, I just think she's, I think she's far too conservative on issues I really care about. Okay, like what ones? Bub. Oh, environmental issues. I think I think there's been a lot of issues in northern Minnesota where she's preferred to give license to mining companies and to, uh, to companies against sort of the the better judgments of environmental groups. I feel like she is not liberal enough when it comes to prioritizing, you know, doing, making really meaningful changes when it comes to educational initiatives. Although I don't think that she's been disastrous in that. I think, but when it comes to, I think there needs to be a more radical approach to income inequality and just the 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 have the ways in which the ordinary Americans live. And I have like Amy Klobuchar is not too much of a divergence from a lot of corporate economics that has gotten us in some serious trouble. So, okay. Um, quick aside, this All is right. just a PSA. Uh, if, if anyone's listening, which is probably no one. Um, and for you, if you haven't watched Our Planet on Netflix, uh, I'm a slut for all these David Attenborough like nature documentaries. But it, it's it does a, there's a lot of like great points about climate change and the way it impacts the environment and like these animals. But then also just like it doesn't it, it's not one of those nature documentaries that just says like this is bad this sucks. But it also like. It also provides some ideas for solutions and examples where these solutions have worked. So, you know, as we're talking about environmental stuff, I think that's something that's really worth watching if you're interested at all. I mean, it's definitely changed the way I view some of these things. Yeah, it's on my queue for sure. The um, one point I wanted to, to get, I wanted to make that I saw from it was there's an episode about jungles. And they're talking about how like a lot of our medicines are like stuff that we derive from like bacteria or like plants or whatever that we find out in the wild. And they're talking about like we still haven't even discovered like we haven't even discovered like any like even like 80% of all the stuff that's inside the Amazon. And unfortunately like we're destroying the Amazon's like biodiversity because we're cutting down a lot of the land to – plant these really profitable trees and so all this stuff isn't growing and you wonder um even if you're not a even if you're a skeptic of climate change you know there's a non-zero chance that like the cure for cancer or like the cure for diabetes is in the bacteria in one of those trees in the amazon and we could potentially lose it forever in the name of some fucking trees that are just gonna in the name of profit we could lose the cure for cancer or like AIDS or something forever over that. So, it, you know, like a lot of conservation, like it's framed as just saving the environment, but and like as climate change, but it goes beyond that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. No, I mean, because the environment is the source of all our lives and we can, and this is going to sound really hippie, but it's just a scientific fact. I mean, everything we need to live comfortable lives comes from nature. Exactly. Obviously, the sort of a lot of that. What? No, I said exactly. That that was, was it. Um, yeah, and so that's just that's just that's just the truth. So I mean, it, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, we could go on to a whole thing about right. Um, well, I mean, it, just be yelling about corporations, I guess. 
Right, right. Um, well, also, like, it's just saying that, like, you know, these things, like, a lot of people like bison meat or, like, like whale meat. But now no one can eat that stuff because the people got so fucking greedy that they, they hunted all the bison. And now there's almost none left, so, like, we're not allowed to hunt them. And we almost got, we almost hunted down all the fucking whales. So there's not a whole lot of whales left to eat. And so, like, you know, even if you're selfishly just a big fan of whales, you got to you gotta hold, hold off on some controls for that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, sorry, it's been on my mind, so I just wanted to get off on that little tangent. Um, no, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to watch it tomorrow. So I'll let you know what I think of it. Yeah, yeah, we can have a deeper discussion or something in the future if you want, if it, if it strikes you or whatever. Um, so I would say... For sure. Weirdly, I would say that, you know, we had some podcasts earlier where, you know, we were taking some shots at Kamala Harris and I still stand, I stand by a lot of those things. I think she is not overly trustworthy, you know, with her history as a prosecutor in California, but I do think that given the choice, I'd probably, you know, like... You know, I, I I don't think she's nearly the candidate that Warren or like Sanders is, but you know, if we had to end up with Kamala Harris or like Pete Buttigieg, I'd so much rather have Kamala because like she actually like it does seem like she's gonna try and push uh, yeah. healthcare. Yeah, I mean, I get I get that. You know, it seems like she will try to push healthcare and she will try to push some sort of boost for education and for teachers and all that. But Buttigieg would do that, to be fair. I mean, maybe he would. I mean, it seems like Kamala Harris is pushing that stuff harder. And, I mean... Yeah, she is. No, she is, definitely. She is. And, you know, I'm just going to say it like... Um, I've been somewhat of a critic of, of identity politics in the sense that... I, I, you know, I don't think that, like, we should, like, just elect someone be, because of how they look if their policies all suck. But even if you presume that Pete... And Kamala are equally liberal, which I think right now Kamala is probably more liberal. But even if you think they're the same level, don't you have to give the tiebreaker to the woman who is more accomplished and is a woman of color? So we would be, at least we'd be accomplishing something very historic by electing her. I mean, it, we kind of be accomplishing something with electing Mayor Pete. But I mean, how, how historic would it really be? Well, I mean, it'd be for for Bougez, I mean, it would be crazy historic to be honest. He'd be the youngest president by far. Right. Well, TV day, which, uh, right. Um, which I mean would be massive. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to like downplay that or anything. I just I don't think it would have the same impact. Like I'm not I'm not willing to vote for a guy just because he's gay, or some or something like that. Like I don't think that's the right. Right. That's fine. Yeah. right which. I, and I'm not going to vote just vote for Kamala Harris because she's like black or whatever. I mean that's you know that's not the way it works. But um, it is important, I think, to get a woman president in there if we can. Um, which I think is something that has to be factored in with with Warren versus Sanders. Yeah. But but also like but also like the message it sends. Like what like what are we telling women in America if you know, last election that we let fucking Donald Trump win because we hated a woman candidate that much. And then this year, 
we elect some like some white guy who whose main accomplishment is being mayor of like the third or fourth largest city in Indiana. You know, who's like the who'd be the youngest dude ever? Like he hasn't really accomplished much. Versus, I mean, Kamala Harris is. You know, there's plenty of stuff to criticize for what she's done, but she's held major office in the arguably the most important state in America. So no, I, mean, I mean, I think Kamala Harris is a stronger candidate. Well, I, I don't. I mean, again, I think Buttigieg has appeared to be quite progressive and quite left leaning on certain on certain things. Um, I mean, but you're right; he has less of a track record, so the things that he say. You can't really counter with the actions that he's done in the past. Because, you know, with Harris, I, I, you're right, you made a point five minutes ago or something that she is sort of trending in a more left-leaning direction when it comes to education and and spending initiatives but and social justice and crime, whereas in the past she's made comments that have sort of contradict that. People just really doesn't have anything to, much like Obama, although Obama had been a United States senator and um, he had worked in, in the public uh, domain. But yeah, I, I, I we'll see. I, Mayor, Mayor Pete seems to just be sort of the candidate that it makes perfect sense why he's sort of grabbed the spotlight at this moment. Yeah, um, and I, I mentioned on the, un, on the Unrecorded podcast, but um, Mayor Pete's, you know, he his track record in, in South Bend isn't exactly clean. You know, when you're costing your – that scandal he had where he cost the city hundreds of thousands of dollars because he fired a police chief and the police chief won a lawsuit because he claimed that he was fired for racial animus. I mean that is a, that's a fucking terrible look for a guy who's calling himself a super progressive candidate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think Beto's pretty much done? No. No, I don't. Okay. I think Beto's one of those candidates that, um, who, first of all, I forgot about. Not a great sign. Right, that's why I was thinking. But, um, no, I don't think he's done. Um, I think that, I mean, I think that Beto, again, we're going to use like a sports analogy, but he has a, he's high ceiling, low floor type of candidate. I, I, um, but I, I really do think that Beto. I, mean, I think Beto. I think Beto. If he places well in Iowa in the top three or five, I think. Yeah, I think he's definitely the candidate that. I mean, we just got to see how long this infatuation with Bruges is going to hold on. Like, I mean, that, that was kind of the thing with Trump. Is there was this fascination with Trump, and you know, we were all saying, "Okay, when is this going to fade? When is this going to fade?" And it never faded. Um, right. I think Bruges sort of took. Um, uh, Beto's sort of angle or gimmick, so to speak. So. Definitely, and that's why that's why I was getting at because, like, I mean, Beto's thing is that he's like young and hip or whatever, but then it's like, well, you're not that young. You know, you're almost fifty years old. Exactly. You're not. You're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna win. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not Wait, gay. How old is he? You think he's like 48, 46 or some shit? Oh right. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not. I thought you said for a second. Oh no, not, he's not that old. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I just don't. It seems like Pete's a little, a little brighter on his feet. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, I think it's a good stopping place, Andrew. Great talking to you. 
And uh, we'll do this again soon. Yeah, man. I have our, our, have our five, I have our prediction.